What's going on, guys? It's Danny from Fancy Stock Exchange here, bringing you the first installment of a new series I'm actually going to bring to the channel. So uh, you guys are used to seeing the Thrive Fantasy, a pick'em series that I actually usually run on Friday, Saturdays. Well, we actually took out the Thrive Fantasy part of that series. So you're still going to get a lovely little pick'em at the end, and I'll go over my picks. Uh, every week, you guys know how it is, three picks and then my lock of the week. But I actually switched it up on you guys. I know you guys weren't really too interested with the Thrive Fantasy. I didn't really have too much interest in actually recording that. But I feel like a, a, a nice resolvement, a nice um, mix-up that would actually be very enjoyable for both myself and you guys as the viewers would actually be just going through my actual re weekly rankings, talking about my main differences between myself and uh, ECR, talking about if I'm higher or lower on guys, and uh, that's just a lot more engaging, kind of explaining my rationale to where I ultimately have guys ranked on the week. Because let's be honest here, that's a lot more beneficial than what I was currently, what I was recently doing with Thrive Fantasy. So, uh, yeah, I'm just basically me going through a top 20 at quarterback, top 25 at both running back and receiver, and then top 15 at tight end. And I'm just going to be talking about my favorite, my least favorite uh, players in terms of where they're currently ranked for myself versus where they're ranked. Uh, amongst the industry so i'm kind of get into that a little later on but uh before we do that i'm gonna hit the intro Okay, so as I mentioned, uh, there's not too many real big discrepancies at the quarterback position between myself and the industry. Uh, I'll actually show it up on the screen for you guys. So as you guys can see with my current rankings at the quarterback position, I have my uh, my boy, Russell Wilson. He's number one. Dak Prescott, number two. Lamar Jackson, number three. Josh Allen, number four. Mahomes, number five. Rodgers, number six. Watson, number seven. Kyler Murray, number eight. Cam Newton, number nine. And then Matt Ryan, number 10. And as you can see from 11 to 20, the rest of the rankings and uh, – yeah, aside from maybe one and two spot differences, there's not many things to really take away from this. Maybe if you want to say, oh, well, you uh, you have Kyler Murray low. Well, to be fair, this is actually ranking with knowledge that DeAndre Hopkins may be out. So, uh, I, again, a lot of these rankings are actually kind of made on Friday. So keep that in mind. If you're watching this on Sunday, there's going to be a lot of players ruled out by then, and obviously the rankings are going to adjust accordingly. But guy like Kyler Murray, you got to definitely play with caution if uh, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins is going to be out for him. He's still an elite option, but, I mean, guys like Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes are still going to be ahead of him in that place. So um, other than that, I mean, there's nothing really there maybe – Oh, having Fitzpatrick at 13, he's currently plus two compared to where the industry has him. Not a huge jump, but I mean, the way you're looking at it, as I kind of mentioned in the waiver show, I would feel fine with him starting as my QB1 this week. I mean, that matchup against the Seahawks is definitely a prime matchup for him to really put up a, a good amount of numbers. Again, kind of got limited in terms of his overall volume last week because the Dolphins did jump out to a huge lead, but he looked efficient. Got a little bit of ground juice to his game and against the Seahawks defense, who I'm actually going to get into later talking about uh, his receiver, Devontae Parker. But talking about the actual Seattle Seahawks secondary, not good. Not good. Their, their past defense has really struggled thus far, as I'll talk about with Devontae Parker later on. But uh, yeah, that's just going over the quarterback. Again, not, nothing too big there. But the running backs is where there's a huge difference between my own ranks and uh, where actually ECR has them. So I'll show this on the screen. But as you guys can see, no surprise at number one, Alvin Kamara, these first three weeks have been what we saw from Christian McCaffrey last year. 
and to be honest, have been even more. I mean, he's averaging 31 and a half half PPR points per game. That's insanity. He's on pace for 144 receptions on the year going up against the lions who got decimated by Aaron Jones just two weeks ago. I mean, Kamara is the RB1 this week, and if you're going to pay up for a running back in DFS, let's say I know Bush and Nick actually covered it in the DFS show. Alvin Kamara is the guy I'm going for. Number two, I'm going Dalvin Cook. Three, Aaron Jones. Four, Ezekiel Elliott. Five, Josh Jacobs. Six, Jonathan Taylor. Seven, Austin Eckler. Eight, Nick Chubb. Nine, Miles Sanders. And ten, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, as you guys can see on the screen. The rest of the options from the top 25 should be shown for you. But talking about the actual biggest discrepancies, the first one actually happens at the top, at the number five slot. I do have Josh Jacobs in my top five for this week. If you're talking about Josh Jacobs, I'm just I'm kind of shocked to see how low ECR actually is on him. I mean, they they have him at, at a nine right now, which is pretty insane in my opinion. Um, sorry, that's pl- four spot differential. My bad. Um, again. People are going to look at it on paper. They're going to see, oh, well, he plays Buffalo, uh, the Buffalo Bills. That's an extremely rough j- matchup. But, I mean, for a guy like Jacobs, who is averaging 27 opportunities per game, I mean, he should see 25-plus pretty easily in this game. I don't expect the game script to be totally out there for him. Yes, let's, hypothetically, the Bills could uh, run it up on them. But in reality, I do think it's going to be a closer game than expected. And even if they do, I mean, Josh Jacobs has shown three down capabilities in terms of both the rushing game and the passing game. I do think he can't really be game scripted out of a game similar to a guy like, like a Derrick Henry or uh, not Nick. I wouldn't say Nick Chubb because Nick Chubb still gets a lot of work regardless, but um, a guy like Derrick Henry or a guy like, I don't know. Think, think of uh, guys that don't receive a lot of receiving volume, but to be fair, I mean, Josh Jacobs has definitely seen a sufficient amount of targets as far as, and as I mentioned, I mean, he is leading the league and opportunities per game. 27 is just absurd. He has 81 total opportunities in three games. So if you're actually talking about the matchup again, I mentioned people might view it on paper as a huge negative for a matchup, but the Bills have given up the 11th least points per game to the position. So they're not even in the top 10. They're more of a middling defense so far the first three games. And um, it's just not a quote-unquote plus matchup. But it's also not a negative to ultimately bump this guy out of the top eight at the very minimum. I mean, they've allowed the likes of guys like Miles Gaskin and Daryl Henderson, talking about the Bills defense, in the past two weeks specifically to have very productive days. I mean, I'm not going to really mention week one because Le'Veon Bell, the Jets, that's just a dysfunctional situation as we saw on Thursday Night Football. I mean, let's not get into Greg Williams actually teaching his guys to target at the end of the game. But um, if you're actually looking at those productive days for them, uh, days for them, I mean, Daryl Henderson, 114 yards, and we saw Gaskin produce, produce in both the air and the ground. And overall on the season, the Bills have actually allowed 4.6 yards per carry to opponents thus far. I mean, yes, they locked it down against the Jets, but I mean, it's the Jets. So overall, to me, Josh Jacobs is a locked and loaded top half RB1, and you should see an absolutely huge workload. Uh, I mean... It's just, it's locked and loaded. You're getting a talented runner who should see a ton of touches and what isn't a death sentence of a matchup. And he's currently being ranked ninth amongst the industry. This is a top five at minimum top six, toxic, top six option on the week. I feel incredibly comfortable locking Josh Jacobs in my lineup. So going into the next one, I mean, this is a guy, myself, Bush and Mikey have harped on numerous times across the channel and that's going to be austin eckler running back from the los angeles chargers i currently actually have him as my number seven on the week 
while his ECR is so disrespectful, he's still ranked at number 12, which it, it's bonkers. So I don't understand why the experts are just so low on Eckler. I mean, everybody prays every single year, harps every single preseason. Oh, we look for bona fide RB1s, workhorse RB1s with receiving potential and ultimately touchdown potential. Eckler has all the assets that you look for and crave for in an RB1. But people just want to come up with this false narrative that, oh, he's a part-time back, yada, yada. He has received 21 opportunities per game and over five receptions per game thus far uh, opening the season. So I get it. People are going to look at it on paper. Tampa is a tough matchup on the ground. I mean, Eckler may be limited in that regard, but I mostly think that's going to affect a guy like Josh Kelly who's an in-between-the-tackles type thumper. But, I mean, when you're talking about Eckler, he – uh, should be able to do a lot of damage in the receiving game. As we've seen, backs with receiving pedigree actually have decent success against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, we saw Melvin Gordon, Christian McCaffrey, and Alvin Kamara actually combined for 13 receptions uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the last three games. So when you're talking about a guy like Austin Eckler, first of all, he's never going to be game scripted out of a game. I do ta- expect Tampa to ultimately take the lead and pretty convincingly beat the Chargers this week. But a guy like Austin Eckler, He is efficient on the ground, so he should still have a decent rushing floor in this game. Yes, Tampa is going to limit his overall effectiveness, but in reality, if he's getting 15, 16 carries, he should still be able to produce decent numbers given how efficient a back he is. Actually, PFF's highest graded back thus far, and we know what he brings in the receiving game. In my opinion, you got Christian McCaffrey, you got Alvin Kamara, and you got Allison Eckler. Those are the top three receiving backs in the entire NFL. So, I mean, overall, a guy like Eckler, he just – he has to be ranked in your top eight regardless. I get the matchup against Tampa is tough, but I mean, we've seen Alvin Kamara was able to outproduce it because of his receiving acumen. Christian McCaffrey was able to do it. Why can't a guy like Austin Heckler, who has been playing, I don't want to say on that level, but just beneath that level to be able to do something uh, in that regard. So, I mean, overall, Eckler is a fantastic, like absolutely fantastic running back. And just because of a negative matchup, he should not be tanked all the way down to 12th on the ECR. So fire him up. Again, my RB7 currently at ECR RB12. Take advantage of that discrepancy if people are going to sleep on a guy like Austin Eckler. So next one I'm going to be talking about is actually the adverse uh, or the, the, the opposite of a guy like Austin Eckler. It's going to be Kenyon Drake. His current ECR is at six. Six. I have him ranked at 11 this week. And I mean, to me, why why does Kenyon Drake still have an East Yard inside the top six? It just doesn't make sense. I mean, yes, the he has arguably the most smash matchup possible this week going up against the Carolina Panthers, who are actually the 31st ranked defense against opposing running backs or basically second best second best matchup you could possibly look for for a running back. But I mean, we just yet to see anything from Drake thus far to have our expectations in the top six. Like if you're looking at a guy like Kenya Drake thus far this season, he's received five total targets in three games and has one total touchdown. Kyler Murray has rushed for four touchdowns in his own right this year. So ultimately you're getting a back who just doesn't have a good receiving floor slash upside mix and hasn't been getting the goal line carries for a team in, uh, in the Arizona Cardinals who flat out have relied on Kyler Murray so far in the red zone. So, I mean, yes, he's gotten the dirty work for the team without seeing the, uh, the valuable touches we really look for in a running back. And if you're actually looking through the, the red zone situation thus far, in three games, he's only received eight total red zone carries. And according to Sharp Football Stats, is actually the 42nd rated running back in terms of success rate in the red zone after being 
the number one just last year. So a clear fall off in terms of overall play in that area for a guy like Kenya Drake. I mean, I get the appeal that people want to have. The preconceived expectations that everybody had for Kenyon Drake. I mean, his finish to 2019, that tour finish averaged over 19.9 fantasy points per game. I get that. But he has not been playing worthy to be ranked as a mid-RB1. And it's more so for me, again, a back-end RB1, high-end RB2 in my opinion, even though it's such a smash matchup. Simply put, because I haven't seen it from Drake to actually have him worthy of ranking ahead of guys like Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, uh, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs. I mean, th- those are guys that should not be ranked below uh, Kenyon Drake at this point until we see it from him. So, I mean, again, until he proves otherwise, he's just not going to be in the, the high-end, mid-tier type RB1 range for me. So, Next guy I'm going to talk about is actually going to be in the team. So we talked about two high or three high-end options uh, to start it off. I'm actually going to be talking about a guy in David Montgomery. I currently have ranked uh, 14. His ECR is actually at 18, as you guys can see. But um, he's looked good. He's looked good. He's looked efficient to start the year. And the flashes that we saw when Nick Foles was in the game for the Bears and the overall advantage of success that he had in comparison to when Trubisky in the, uh, was in the game was just flat out evident. I mean, he started the game, nine carries for eight yards when Trubisky was in the game. They got off to a huge deficit early on against the Falcons. Then when Nick Foles came into the game, the defense actually had to worry about an at least sufficient passer. And David Montgomery really got going on the ground. So if you're actually looking at it overall, he looked really good and efficient on the ground. Then let's look at the other factor. And the factor of Tariq Cohen actually being ruled out for the season. I mean, David Montgomery has every opportunity to capture a full three-down workload for the Bears. And defenses will flat out need to respect fools, as I mentioned, instead of having Trubisky in the game. So again, for a guy that's looked good, should have an uh, an increased boost in the receiving game in David Montgomery and has actually been running behind the fifth uh, most efficient run-blocking unit in the Chicago Bears thus far. Big improvement for what we saw last year. I mean, this guy to me is a, a flat-out mid-tier RB2 with RB... To be quite honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he finished in the RB12 to RB14 type range, especially on this week in a, in a matchup against the Colts, where which should be a very uh, back-and-forth type game, in my opinion, playing in Chicago. So fire up David Montgomery. I mean, 14, top 15 running back for me this week. Not too hard. And uh, actually ahead of the next guy I'm going to have here, another guy who's been receiving a huge workload but just hasn't been looking good overall. But it's going to shock a lot of people because a lot of people love him in the industry and want to rank him so, so high on any given week. And that's going to be Joe Mixon running back from the Cincinnati Bengals. So as you guys can see, I currently have him at, let me just check where I have him right here. I have him as my RB 18 on the week. And, uh, that's just, that's, that's four behind actually. Wait, let me check one second. I believe that was four behind where consensus has him. Five. Okay. So perfect. Yeah. He's five behind for me uh, in terms of what consensus has him. So consensus has him actually as the RB 13 on the week, but until he plays like a top 15 running back, I'm just not going to rank him there plain and simple. So it pains me personally because I know the talent that a guy like Joe Mixon has, but he's just not played well thus far. Again, the Jaguars to the general public, to the a lot of the casual community are going to say, oh, well, that's a very good matchup on paper. But in fact, when you're looking at the Jaguars run defense thus far, they've actually been performing very well to start the year. If you're actually looking at the numbers, they've limited opposing running backs to the 15th least yards per game. Not great, but uh, seventh lowest yards per carry is actually very impressive. And when you're actually looking at it uh, in terms of a game-by-game comparison uh, versus who they're playing, 
they've played the likes of guys like Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor in particular, who are regarded as top eight overall running backs. So, I mean, the thing with Joe Mixon is like the line just has played better than expectations. Just Mixon hasn't. The line was expected to be one of the worst in the league. They've actually been, I believe, they're ranked 23rd right now. So not great, but definitely better than what we thought being in the 29, 30, 31 range. Joe Mixon has just not been playing well thus far. And until he actually proves to me he can perform, uh, even with the crazy workload he's been given, uh, I just can't rank him higher than a low-end RB2 at this point. But uh, maybe he has his balance-back game against a stout Jags run D. But until I see otherwise... There's no way in heck I'm going to be ranking this guy more than a mid to low end RB2. Uh, You got to face the facts. You drafted this guy to be your RB1. He's just disappointed thus far ranking as the RB34. Well, I do predict that's going to pick up at some time. Until it does, you can't rank him highly. So Joe Mixon is going to be my RB19 on the week as you guys see on the screen. So. We're actually going to be talking about the wide receivers next and going through that. As you guys can see, a couple of the guys uh, are questionable. So keep that in mind. Guys like Devontae Adams, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. So the rankings are going to get be kind of skewed right now because people are very hesitant on where to rank these guys. You can see plus 9 ECR, plus 22 ECR because people don't know really where to rank them. Um, they're, they're just guys that I'm going to be adjusting pretty swiftly in, in the ranks as you guys can see on the channel uh the website is actually in the description if you guys don't know already the fantasy we post our weekly rankings on there so if you want a little update on my my own rankings on bush's rankings you guys can see that prior to game time on how they adjust but for now i mean as we see the receivers are the ones going to be heavily impacted by these injuries uh the main discrepancies between myself and the ecr to start it off is actually gonna be tyree kill so i have him four spots lower than ecr and this to me, it just isn't anything as a slight to a guy like Tyreek Hill because he's a game-breaking talent. We know this. Um, but if you're actually looking at it again, people are going to say, we know the the major success that Tyreek Hill has actually had against the Patriots, but it's still a matchup, in my opinion, to really monitor because the first two games against the Patriots, he absolutely smashed. But he was actually relatively held in check in New England just last year. I mean, six catches, 62 yards on eight targets. Nothing to scoff at, but definitely nothing to be totally excited about so i mean it seems harsh that i'm ranking him so low but the combination of matchup and the other top tier option at a deep and talented wide receiver position kind of has him four spots lower but definitely not an option that i hate on the week so keep that in mind um next option is actually gonna be a receiver for my own team and that's gonna be amari cooper who's currently actually four spots lower in my own rankings uh at wide receiver 11 than he is in consensus who has him at number seven which is just insane to me but as a Cowboys fan, Amari Cooper is just someone I can never really trust as a bona fide wide receiver one in fantasy. But to me, he's more so rather a high-end to low-end type one rank for me on any given week. So if you're actually looking at the matchup against Cleveland, I prefer the matchups personally in terms of who they're going to be going against. With, uh, with CeeDee Lamb actually against Tavir Thomas, who I haven't heard of before this year, quite frankly. I heard of him this year, but before that... Severe Thomas was a complete unknown. And Michael Gallup actually going against Terrence Mitchell. Shout out uh, a, a former uh, Kansas City Chief. I remember that. But he, uh, whereas Amari Cooper is actually expected to go against Denzel Ward if he does play. So he has the worst matchup against the three receivers. Again, he's going to be the highest for me because I, I still expect the highest expected volume for the Cowboys' number one wide receiver. But I ultimately feel like this is going to be a production by committee type week where all those guys kind of eat into each other rather than one exactly exploding. 
Again, I have all three of them actually in my top 25, as you guys saw on the screen. I just don't think there's going to be a huge lot actually separating them. So for Amari Cooper to actually finish in the top seven where he's currently being ranked, he would need to significantly outproduce the other two receivers, which I don't see happening. So Amari Cooper, definitely uh, an option that I feel more comfortable ranking at 11 than I do at seven that the ECR actually has him. So the next option is going to be a guy I kind of alluded to in uh, when talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's going to be Devonte Parker, wide receiver from the Miami Dolphins. So I currently have him four spots ahead of where ECR has him. And again, a guy in Devonte Parker, he came off in a fish, an efficient showing on Thursday night football, actually against the Jaguars. He turned five targets into five receptions in 69 receiving yards, despite playing off of a hamstring injury that I actually hurt in week one, kind of played through in week two. Uh, he's still kind of been dealing with that, but he's looked great to start the season. Um, and he actually gets the perfect matchup that any receiver can ask for, as I'm going to get into. But he uh, he plays a Seahawks defense that, get this, has allowed 47 points per game to the wide receiver position, which is the worst in the NFL. For reference, the second-place team is the Dallas Cowboys at 34. So see if the Seahawks cannot guard a receiver to save their life, and Parker is threat, set to absolutely thrive this week. So... Again, I'm at 18 right now. Even that kind of felt low, to be quite honest, because there's a valid case, in my opinion, for him actually finishing as a top 12 receiver given the matchup and given the efficient play that we've actually seen from Parker thus far. So, again, 5 for 6-9 isn't a crazy output week, not a crazy type of volume, but he still got five targets, and Fitzpatrick only attempted 20 total patches. So if you actually look at that, a 25% target market share on the team, not bad, but in a matchup where Ryan Fitzpatrick is absolutely certainly going to throw more than 20 times, to be quite honest, that could actually be doubled. I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing Ryan Fitzpatrick throw the ball 40 to 45 times as the Dolphins are going to try to keep up with an MVP front runner and Russell Wilson on the other side. This is just going to be a high-volume, high-efficient day for a guy in Devontae Parker going up against one of the worst defenses against the pass in the entire NFL. So fire him up. To be quite honest, I mean, he, he's a bona fide at minimum wide receiver two, and I would not be shocked if we're seeing a wide receiver one week from a guy in Devontae Parker. So on the flip side, a guy that I, I love personally, I love him in the preseason. I had him ranked super high. I still have him ranked high for the rest of the season, but Robert Woods gotta be nicked a little bit for the matchup. I currently have him ranked four spots below ECR. Let's see where that currently is. Uh, I actually have it on the screen right here. So I currently have him as my uh, wide receiver 19. And ECR actually has him. Oh, ECR has him at 14. So I'm actually five spots lower than consensus. So we're looking at Woods. Yes, I love the player that Woods is. But the matchup against the Giants and stud corner James Bradbury is it's concerning. So, I mean, he should still have a solid game, in my opinion, because he's an incredible football player. But Cooper Cup has a much, much more favorable matchup going up against rookie Darnay Holmes in the slot while Woods is getting an all-pro type caliber corner the way he's been playing in James Bradbury. So ultimately, while I'm still firing up Woods into flex consideration, given that, as we saw last week against Shea White, he's still able to produce despite hard matchups, given the way the Rams use him in the offense. To me, he's more so a low-end type wide receiver too, rather than the high-end two, low-end one that I, I value that he presents on most weeks for me. So the matchup does play into consideration, especially as uh, at a position as deep and talented as wide receiver that I'm just not comfortable playing Woods over the type of options that are currently being ranked after him, according to ECR. So, um, and finally, let's actually get into the tight end positions. 
So as you guys can see on the screen, the biggest main discrepancies is actually mostly two guys, one being a lot lower and one being a lot higher. So first one being a lot lower is actually going to be Zach Ertz. And this is more so to do with the ranking of guys ECR has ranked below Ertz right now, rather than actually hating hating Ertz. I mean, his ECR of two is just blasphemous, in my opinion. Why is he the, the ECR number two ranked tight end this week? Who knows? But <clears throat> to start, I get that Kittle is coming off an injury, but when Kittle is deemed healthy and Kittle is playing with a banged-up receiving corpse around him against a Philadelphia Eagles secondary that won't be able to stop a nosebleed, George Kittle is a top two tight end this week. He has to be ranked there. He is good enough. He took a week off last week, even though he was he was supposed to be questionable for the game. They held him out. They wanted to make sure he was healthy. George Kittle is absolutely going to come back off injury and have a dominant performance against a struggling Eagles secondary. Fire him up. A couple other guys that are ranked lower than Ertz currently on ECR are Darren Waller and Mark Andrews. They're both kind of facing balance back potential type situations against defenses who have actually struggled against the uh, the position of the tight end. I mean, we're talking about Mark Andrews against Washington and um, sorry, Darren Waller against the Bills, who have, believe it or not, been atrocious to the tight ends despite doing very well against them last year. So if you're looking at uh, the final one that I actually have ranked ahead of Ertz, that's going to be Tyler Higby because to me, there's just no objective reasoning for having Ertz ahead of Higby at this current point, given how both have been playing, how both the respective quarterbacks have been playing. And in my opinion, Higby has a more favorable matchup. Yes, the Giants have been decent against the tight end position thus far, but in reality, they haven't really faced a guy like um, Tyler Higby, whereas Ertz is going up against the Niners, who despite having a ton of injuries on their defense, still shut down the Giants last week. That's something to monitor. And the Flat out, the Eagles just aren't playing well. So if you're actually looking at it, yes, you can have a balanced back game, but I just don't see it happening against a still stout uh, 49ers defense with the likes of Fred Warner, uh, Jacques Guitar still playing well on that team. So um, I'm just not going to have them even anywhere close to the ECR ranking of two. I mean, I expect middling type tight end one uh, numbers, which is why I'm at six, but tight end two is just insane. So... That, that, that's a big discrepancy I have with ECR. And finally, uh, the other tight end is actually going to be a guy I'm a lot higher on than ECR. That's going to be Mo Ali cox tight end from the Indianapolis Colts. So we are witnessing right now the Mo Ali cox breakout before our eyes. And for the time being, in my opinion, he should be a consensus top 15 tight end option the way he's been playing. So again, if you're just looking off of last week, he outsnapped Jack Doyle 36 to 32 in that game. And he still posted a respectable line of three catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown a week after busting out for a five catch, 110 yard, and one touchdown day the week before against the Vikings. So you're actually looking at uh, Ali Cox. He's looked efficient and smooth in the open field. And the Colts and Fulop Rivers have really found their big, physically dominant tight end target in the six foot eight. Six foot eight, former power forward for uh, VCU. I actually saw this guy play in March Madness. He is an absolute beast in the air. A guy like Philip Rivers who loves throwing it to his big weapon down the field. Mo Ali Cox is that guy for this team. So even my rank right now of 13 kind of feels low. I mean, I'm just kind of playing cautious on this because I do think this guy's got definite top 10 upside this week. And uh, his ECR rank of 18, to my, in my opinion, is just laughable given the incredibly weak options at the tight end position. So fire up Mo Ali Cox. He's definitely a high risk, high reward type play, but I do think he's going to lead towards that high reward type of production for this week. So I really like Ali Cox. 
And uh, finally, we're going to talk about my picks of the week. Kind of went through all the rankings by position. Again, if you guys want to see some defensive streamers, I actually talked about it in my waiver wire ad, so we can go over that a little bit. But basically, teams like the Rams, Buccaneers. Um, another one I can just think off my head is obviously the Ravens are obviously the top defenses in my opinion this week. But anyways, you can see the rest of it on the waiver wire video. But talking about my actual picks of the week in terms of against the spread, we're actually going to be going through, as we always do, three regular picks against the spread and then my lock of the week. So as you guys can see, my record currently on the screen, on the screen I believe I'm 9-3 and three right now. Pretty, pretty nice record thus far. All three of my locks of the week have hit. So if you need a little tip on betting, you can talk to your boy. But yeah, my picks this week, I'm going to leave this one for last. But talking about the first one. New Orleans Saints, minus three and a half on the road against the Detroit Lions. I mean, the Lions just haven't been playing well thus far. And the Saints are coming off a, a home loss against the Green Bay Packers team. They're going to be fired up. They're going to go into Detroit and win that game by at least a touchdown, in my opinion. Again, they're not going to be favored by seven, but I do think that they're going to cover at minimum that three and a half spread. If we're talking about final score, I'll, I'll give the, the Lions some respect because of the spread. I'll say that the Saints win this game. 26 to 20. So thus covering that three and a half point spread as you guys can see. But second option I'm going to be talking about, this may sound like a shocker, but it's going to be Miami Dolphins plus five and a half at home against Seattle Seahawks again. I know how good a team that the Seattle Seahawks are. Arguably the best team in the NFC right now. Them and the Packers are kind of fighting that out right now in my opinion. But Five and a half points against a motivated Dolphins team that still has a, a really good advantage against that Seahawks secondary is just simply too much, in my opinion. Yes, the Seahawks are going to win this game, but I think this could very well come down to a last-second type field goal. And five and a half points is definitely too much for me to ultimately chew in betting Seattle. So I'm going to go with the, the Dolphins being able to cover that five and a half point spread at home, fired up after that Thursday night thrashing they put onto the Jacksonville Jaguars. Talking about the final score, I do think that Seattle's still going to win this game. But I think it's going to be closer to like a, we'll say, 35-31 type game rather than them ultimately winning by a touchdown. So definitely like the Dolphins being able to cover there. And the final team, as I kind of alluded to beforehand, it's going to be my Dallas Cowboys minus four and a half point favorites at home against the Browns. Yes, our defense has looked awful. Yes, we are one and two to start this year. But keep in mind, this is a team who went into Seattle, played a tough, tough game against a MVP candidate in Russell Wilson, lost 38-31. I mean, that's a game that could have gone either way. I'm not going to get into that because uh, I'm going to sound very biased if I do so. But when talking about the, the Cowboys secondary, yes, they have looked very bad to start the season. Keep in mind, they've played against guys who've been playing very well thus far. Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, and Russell Wilson have been very good quarterbacks to start the season, arguably all in the top 10 or so to start the season. So if you're talking about Baker Mayfield, he's not on their level whatsoever. The Browns passing offense has not been on that level whatsoever. Yes, they should have decent success because the Cowboys secondary is still kind of stunk it up. But ultimately, I do think that this is kind of like a bounce back game type for the Cowboys defense, in my opinion, especially on the back end. Again, again, a guy like Trayvon Diggs, who's not going to get any coverage whatsoever by the media because uh, simply put, people aren't going to acknowledge him. He's been playing very well thus far. And ultimately, I do still think that Dak... Zeke and those Cowboys receivers are going to have their way against a depleted Browns defense. If we're talking about the Cowboys defense being depleted, I mean, Browns in the preseason lost their starting safety, uh, lost 
basically their whole secondary, even including Denzel Ward, he might play, but everybody's been banged up in that secondary. And their linebackers are still insufficient. They lost Joe Schobert in the offseason. They haven't really gotten a good linebacker play. I do think that the Cowboys ultimately can really take advantage of that by, for the record, Dalton Schultz running that seam against those linebackers is ultimately going to be a very good mismatch. Again, the Cowboys kind of have an advantage at all parts on offense. I do still think this can be a high-scoring game, and the Browns are going to be in it. But I do think that the Cowboys are going to be able to cover four and a half. If we're talking about an overall prediction for score, I'll actually say that the Cowboys come out victorious in this one, 35 to 28 against the Browns at home. A little bounce back after that showing against the Seahawks this past Sunday where they could have won. But finally, if you made it this far in the video, I'm going to talk about my lock of the week. But if you made it this far in the video, make sure you go hit that like button. Comment down below what your thoughts are on my overall rankings compared to ECR and my picks of the week. And if it's your first time watching the channel, make sure you go hit that subscribe button. We definitely encourage you guys to hit that. We're coming out with daily content, three live streams a week. Buckle in. We're coming at y'all football season. Well, let's talk about my lock of the week. And my lock of the week is going to be going with my boy himself, Joseph Burrow. Two and a half point favorites. The Bengals are at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This Bengals team has looked very good to start the season. Again, their record isn't great, 0-2-1. But they've played tough, hard-nosed football to start the season. Again, they lost by a, uh, a field goal against the, the uh, Chargers to start the season, which in reality shouldn't have even happened because the kicker missed a wide-open gimme that I probably could have hit. Lost by five against a good Browns team on the road. And then last week, we're able to tie the Eagles. I do think this is the game that Joe Burrow at home gets his first win in the NFL. Talking about a two and a half point spread, that ultimately uh, means that with the three point variance, depending on home field, that if this was played on a neutral field, the Jaguars would be half point favorites. And I just think the Bengals are a better overall football team. As we saw, the Jaguars did not look good on Thursday night. I'm not going to take it away from one game, but I do think overall the Bengals are a better football team playing at home. Should definitely get the win here and get Joe Burrow his first win. If we're talking about a final score, I'll go with 31-24 that the Bengals come away with this one. Again, my lock of the week, Joseph Burrow is going to get his first NFL win. And we're going to see in general, Joseph Burrow's name is going to be talked amongst that top, we'll say at minimum top 15 tier of quarterbacks. And I honestly think by the end of the year, he's going to be widely regarded as a top 10 option. He's been playing fantastic to start the season. Light years better than anybody could have predicted. Well, I mean, us on the channel expected it, but for, for a rookie quarterback to start the year, I mean, playing against a, uh, behind a depleted offensive line, guys like A.J. Green who can't catch a damn ball to save their life, he has played excellent and have kept the Bengals in every single game he's played thus far. I do think he's able to squeeze this one out and ultimately take that Bengals record to 1-2-1 one, and one after this week. So, again, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, series. We're actually going to bring, bringing this to the channel every Saturday, talking about my rankings versus ECR, ultimately the pick up, pick up to end the channel. But appreciate y'all. I will see you guys next Saturday. So tune in. Love y'all. FSE. Danny. Out.